and for um, my protagonist's mother, um, I knew more about her than, than just kind of her role as a mother. I knew what kind of tea she liked. I knew what time she liked to get up in the morning. Um, and I think it's important that you know all of that about your character, even if it never plays into the story, because um, all of this, I think, contributes to the way that your character would act or speak or respond in a certain situation. And, and the reader can feel it when you really know your characters um, through the writing. And I mean, I know I have been able to as a reader, been like, oh, she knows she knows this person and, and that helps me know this person and, and even and moreover that helps me believe in this person as somebody who not just could exist but does exist in real life because that's what every fictional novel is asking from you it's asking you to believe in something that you know isn't true which is a big ask again so uh, all right so let me begin with um, a quick introduction of zuni so uh, Zuni is a 19 year old author and she has written two novels and she has also written two books of poetry and she is now a freshman at Stanford University and she is studying creative arts. Um, so um, the the special thing about this podcast for me is that I've been meaning to write a novel and um, you know what really excites me about uh, writing novels is that when you are writing a novel you are not writing one novel you are writing uh, multiple novels at once because the interpretation of that particular writing piece of writing is is different for uh, different for every reader so uh, so that that is something that really excites me uh, my first question to you is uh, that what is the most exciting part for you when it comes to writing something um for me i think the most exciting part um i think they all all the parts are exciting in kind of their own way but I think the most um, immediately exciting part is probably um, the initial idea and when you think you've really hit on something um, worth working on. Although the, those can be different moments sometimes. You can work on something for a while and not really see um, you know, the meaning of it in your life and then suddenly there'll be that one light bulb moment where you're like, oh my god, I think this could be incredible. Um, and I think that for me is always a very exciting moment when you realize um hopefully that what you're writing is really worth it and it's really something um, that means something to you and uh, what is it that you do not like as much as the other part um i guess um i think editing although not all of editing like a very specific kind of editing where you're on the last legs of the book and you're just reading it one last time that is rough because first of all you're checking for such minor things that it can be very frustrating you know just like I mean, not proofreading, of course, because most of the time there is always another editor doing that. But of course, you should be attentive to sort of grammar mistakes and stuff like that as well, which can be frustrating. But also because I find that um, at a certain point, you stop um, making the book better through your editing. And that's when it's best to stop, is when you reach a point where you're like, I think I'm now just nitpicking. And I think that now my edits are making it worse instead of better. Um, and often when you're doing your very last edit, you're on, you're kind of teetering on the edge of that. So I think that would probably be less fun than all the other parts for me. Okay. Uh, how many times do you think uh, you, you, you need to uh, edit a particular piece of writing? It, it depends uh, from person to person, from work to work. Um, for me, again, yeah, it really depends. Like my poems, I... I think I put through one or two rounds of really strong edits before I kind of put it away. And sometimes poetry, I, I just keep the very first draft because there's something about it that I like. But when it comes to novel or longer prose, I would say several, um, you know, countless uh, rounds of editing, especially with my novel, it was um, many, many. <laughs> so I, I think that for longer work, it's normally more than for poetry, but that could just be me. Awesome. Uh, why don't we go ahead with another question, Anupriya? Yeah. Um, so this is like a nice segue because you spoke about how you found the 
how you find the entire process of writing exciting um, and when you hit on the right idea that's when it really flows so how do you decide what to write about like is it based on personal experience or observation and what's your usual source of inspiration if you have a usual or a consistent one well i don't really have a consistent one i think it just um i mean oftentimes i think will come from not necessarily life experience but just kind of your experience in life if that makes any sense but like the things that you notice and the things you pay attention to and the things that you um care about i think and i think the way to decide what to write about is just if you want to write about it then it's probably worth it because as a writer when you think about it you're putting in so much um time and effort and you know a piece of yourself almost into this into this um writing so for you to want to write about it it has to mean a lot to you and it has to kind of be worth it is trying so i would say for me the way to know if i should is just whether i want to or not and most of the time the answer is yes and if the answer is yes then it's a sign to me that i should go ahead with it at least try it interesting um so uh, how do you uh, how do you put a story together like do you uh, directly start writing things or is there a whiteboard exercise that you perform where you you define the overarching narrative of the story how 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 does that work well it's pretty um again subjective um and it's very it changes a lot um but i would say that if i have an idea sometimes i just start like i'll make a voice note to myself of what i think the idea should be if it's longer prose um or if it's poetry then you just start for me poetry i i don't plan out much i just kind of um begin um with longer prose um i think if you start with an initial idea then normally you'll start with um actually writing something whether that's the beginning of the book or whether that's a scene that you've envisioned or whatever it is you'll normally start just sort of free writing for me um and then i kind of reach a point where i'm like okay now i should sort of step back and make a larger plan and then that's kind of when the whiteboard stuff happens and when i start like writing out novel skeletons and all of those things so um i would say at first it's a bit more kind of free form and then when you get the sense that you need a little bit more structure then i kind of switch to that and um and yeah but it's a pretty chaotic process i think and it differs a lot from person to person um so i think that you know trusting in the process is something everybody says but i do think that um it's pretty it's pretty important um especially as a writer to know that if you you know that that you're not i mean it can be very easy to feel lost and and to feel overwhelmed and i think that um taking it step by step and and trying to just follow the structure you set out for yourself is a good way to go about it so this creative chaotic non-linear process of writing um when you when do you decide okay this is the stage at which you will start pitching it or send it to an editor and has it ever been that after you send it for editing you still want to change a few details or characters and how has your relationship with your editors been so far the ones that you worked with um well i really loved um my editor for my novel the house that spoke she was probably the i think the best editor um i've ever had she really helped me um and i think that um i i don't think i ever send it for edits if there are still changes that i want to make because then why would i send it to somebody else you know i think that both for pitching and for sending it to an editor when i'm sending it it's because i really think um it's a solid sort of um give on my part because you know you're asking somebody to to read your work and if you're pitching it you're asking them to consider publishing it that's a big ask so um i have to sort of make it the best that i can before i send it and i don't normally think about pitching or publishing until pretty late in the process because i think um you know you shouldn't really start a book with you know just the immediate thought of publishing it it should be something that you're doing because you want 
to write it and you know the very real possibility that no one's ever going to read it shouldn't matter to you if you really if you really if it's something you really love um and i think that in in pitching it i think the whole point of pitching it over to somebody's um or pitching anything to anybody is to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes you know so you're like i i this is what the idea is this is why you haven't seen it before this is why you should trust in it so you need to make it so that you know they really so think that has to be option. ready before yeah that the best option is probably to say yes and have you ever had disagreements with your other editors or at any stage have you felt like you don't really necessarily agree with that it's that they're proposing? oh yeah all the time but that's a part of the process i mean if you if you and and editors know that as well they don't expect you to just do everything that they're asking you to um you know um and at the time I'm working with now um he's really lovely he's made it very clear multiple and she's like you don't need to accept my edits if you don't agree with them because mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's your work it's your voice it's your name that's going to be on the book so you know if you don't agree with something that they're doing then you shouldn't have to do it but at the same time you shouldn't just i mean you should think about it uh-huh. um, like and in in the opening of the house that spoke there was this line that i really loved and i really wanted to have in and my editor was just like i just don't think it works and this is the opening of the book it has to be really strong and you can't have filler lines and i mean you shouldn't have filler lines anywhere but if you're going to have a filler line it really shouldn't be the opening of a book so mm-hmm. she was like you know you should really think about it. and we had we went back and forth for ages i was like but i love it i love it i love it and eventually i was like you know i think the beauty of editors is that um if they say something you don't agree with it still forces you to make a case to defend yourself and if you can't make that case then maybe they've got a point you know and maybe you shouldn't so we ended kind of taking that line out which i recognize is the right decision even though i even though i loved it um and i don't even remember what the line was now i just remember being so like attached to it um and so i think that it it is a fine line that does and that's why it's important to find an editor who you think matches your voice and your style and you know the the kind of values that you want to i think um put forth in in your writing and whatever it is that you're writing but i think most important it it you have to find an editor who believes in the vision of the book because that's the only way that they're going to put um put into it what you need from it it's like yeah. i know this is a completely random comparison but my aunt when we were in new york was um when i on my 13th birthday um which is 8 billion years ago now but she wanted to get um a tattoo and she we looked and looked for the right tattoo place and we went to a place that was re- really good like really rated really high and you know had great reviews and a very famous artist and whatever um but she got there and after speaking to the artist for a while she decided not to do it um and she said you know she just didn't feel um as excited about this as i was she didn't feel like you know what i wanted was somebody who would take the vision that i had and and make it better or you know take it to the next level um and and you know which isn't exactly the same for an editor but that spirit is the same you you yeah. want somebody you know i mean that was something that she was putting on her body for the rest of her life and this mm-hmm. is a piece of writing that if you put out into the world i mean you know is going to be there forever even more than your life maybe if it's good um yeah. so i think that that's it's important to find an editor that connects with you in that way and who um even if they don't agree with you on everything at least agrees with you about um you know that your general vision for the book and at least agrees with you that it's a book worth um putting mm-hmm. so much into yeah no i totally agree with that analogy i think it applies to so many situations in life you know me like when i'm working on my music for me to like share it with a so there's a process like after you compose and you've arranged it you share it with a mixing and mastering engineer and they're sort of the editors who fix right. the volumes etc and for me to choose an engineer who also makes that sort of like a similar genre or something like that is so important no. um or likewise like in any form of art i think certain stages of how it's finished who do you consult for feedback for edits 
and you'd only agree with someone you'd only agree to cooperate with someone in the first place if you know they get your vision yeah. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting thank you for sharing that let me move to the next question so um i've read a bunch of uh, non uh, bunch of fiction and what i've realized is that uh, people authors put a lot of emphasis on uh, nailing down that uh, location that they are choosing uh, to write about and they put in a lot of effort to define uh, the culture the politics um, uh, the stereotypes around that location uh, in that location so uh, why do you think that's so important for so many authors and uh, and i'm uh, i'm sure you have done uh, a lot of research while you were writing uh, your novel uh, uh, especially the kashmir part so uh, why do you think that's important and uh, how do you go about it well um i think for me personally i i grew up in in kashmir um so i had a kind of familiar connection to it so i kind of went about i mean we'd been back to kashmir many years until sort of the violence escalated to a point that made it unsafe um so for me um that research was kind of both um personal as well as external so for external i watched a lot of documentaries and i read um a lot of books um and for kind of the more internal side of things i sort of asked my family questions about how they grew up and what they remembered um and all of those things and of course as as well i used my own experience of being in kashmir um i think that's important because um for any story to be effective i think it does need to have a sense of place um and a very strong one uh and that doesn't necessarily have to be um very important to the story in the sense that a book that's set in california may could have been um you know about like a serial killer or something which doesn't make it seem like california would be very important but um every author has a reason for choosing to set a place um where they do and so it shouldn't be that the same story would be exactly the same if told in new york you know i think that um location is a really important factor in in just in human life i mean you would be living life differently right now if you were in london so i think that's why it's so important to stories is because it's it's important in life um and of course you take that to the next level if it's a fantasy author who's world building and it's a completely different um realm or or you know whatever planet that we're on then it becomes even more important because you're expecting the reader to um kind of believe and and fall in love with a place that they have never seen and will never see because it doesn't exist um so it's really important then to to really give um the story a strong sense of place and um a, a striking sense of place i think so and and like i said every author has a reason for choosing to set a book somewhere which is why um the place then inherently becomes important for me um the house that spoke the turning point for it as a novel was when i decided to set it in in kashmir um and i have a whole draft of the book actually based in london because that's where the house that inspired it was originally so it kind of just followed that maybe the story should be based in london but it kind of was a was a very hollow story when set in london didn't really have much of a purpose or um much momentum and um when i made the decision to set it in kashmir when um i think it was my mom who first suggested that maybe i should set it in india and when i kind of settled on kashmir um it gave the story kind of a whole new life so i think in my especially in my personal experience a sense of place has been very important to to the stories that i wanted to have great that that makes a lot of sense okay another question about the writing process how do you um build your character for example like their traits their ideologies and and their whole personality and do you do it before introducing them i mean i'm sure there's a process that you go through while making the outline of the whole narrative how do you make sure you fit each character into that narrative and is it very iterative or or do you pre decide well i think character is a i mean 
I wouldn't say most important, but I could say most important um, aspect of, of, of writing um, because your characters drive everything. They drive the story, they drive the conflict, they drive your reader's interest. If I don't like, many times I've been on the verge of dropping a book just because I didn't like the protagonist. Um, so, and I'm sure many other people have as well. Um, and that doesn't just go for books. It goes for, you know, TV shows and, and films and everything. Um, I think even more so in TV shows, I've had a lot of my friends be like, oh no, this protagonist was just annoying me too much so I couldn't watch anymore. Um, and I think that it's, for me personally, I, I start with a pretty distinct idea of, of character in my head um, before I, I put them on the page, because I think that's really important. Um, but of course, I develop the character as I write, because a lot of times people enjoy discovering their characters as they discover the story, as they write. Um, and I often try to know more about my characters always than I tell my reader, um, especially for my characters in The House of Spoke, which is such a long novel. I knew... Um, you know, that, for example, I knew that one of the characters um, collected rocks and this was had no part in the story and never was, um, I don't even think it was mentioned. I think it might've been mentioned like once in terms of, oh, there were rocks in his room, but like, that's it. But me in, in kind of sort of knowing the bottom of the iceberg, I knew that he did that. I knew why he did that. I knew what age he's been doing that since. Um, I knew, you know, and, and, and for um, my protagonist's mother, um, I knew more about her than, than just kind of her role as a mother. I knew what kind of tea she liked. I knew what time she liked to get up in the morning. Um, and I think it's important that you know all of that about your character, even if it never plays into the story, because um, all of this, I think, contributes to the way that your character would act or speak or respond in a certain situation. And, and the reader can feel it when you really know your characters um, through the writing. And I mean, I know I have been able to as a reader, been like, oh, she knows she knows this person and, and that helps me know this person. And, and even, and moreover, that helps me believe in this person as somebody who not just could exist, but does exist in real life, because that's what every fictional novel is asking from you. It's asking you to believe in something that you know isn't true, which is a big ask again. So, which is why it's the writer's job to make that ask something um, that is not that big <laughs> through the power of the writing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I still can't, fathom this whole notion of you knowing so much about the character and and yet like not revealing it and that gap between what you know and what the reader knows it's like this sacred gap that's kept because that's that's like your way of controlling the whole thing like I know more and I'm not going to give it out and you're just going to feel it I mean I don't know if I'm getting that right but it's like sort of like vibe building or I don't know because um that's just that's just so int that's fascinating to me thank you i mean yeah i guess so in a way i mean it's also just my way of ensuring that um that the characters i write have depth because if everything you know about your character is there for the reader to see then i in my opinion they're going to feel quite shallow because you just you don't know mm -hmm. them well enough because in the end no matter what story you tell even if it's the protagonist of your story and it's about their life from ages one to 18 um, mm -hmm. there's still going to be things about them that you can't fit into that story. And there's still going to be questions about them that the reader would have at the end. And yeah. these answers may never play into your story. And you may never need to tell the reader, but you should still know them as a writer because they help you to give your characters that depth. So for me, that simple rule of, oh, you should always know more than the reader is a good way to kind of make sure that the characters I write um, aren't just sort of, you know, just mm -hmm. one dimensional, I guess. Um, cool. So uh, how do you build intrigue, curiosity um, into the story. I think that's what gets you to, you know, turn the page and read the next page. Uh, like, do you have a sort of unanswered questions that you list down and then 
uh, answer them but don't answer them completely and, and that answer uh, in turn leads to another unanswered question. How does that process work and, and do you keep track of all those unanswered, if you do, um, all those unanswered questions and then keep on answering them eventually? How, how does that work? Well, I don't personally make a list, although I have done that as a writing exercise in one of my classes for another book um, in which I wrote down all the questions that were unanswered, because I think that's very important um, for every story to have unanswered questions, because that is, like you said, the thing that keeps them reading. But I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that's the only thing um, that keeps them reading. I think it's also investment in, like we talked about, character and place. Um, and, you know, like by the time you're on the sort of like, for example, if it's particularly if it's books in the series, I mean, by the time you finish the first Harry Potter book, there really aren't that many um, questions that you couldn't live with not knowing the answer to, you know, you could just stop there. But why do you keep going? It's because now you're invested. You want to know about this boy and his friends in this incredible school and you want to keep going. Um, and I think that that's kind of also very important. Um, but I do think, yeah, that there should be some unanswered questions, but I also don't think that it's something you need to kind of list out for me personally. I found that if your story has an arc and if your character has an arc, then um, unanswered questions will form themselves very organically because the story simply isn't finished yet. Cool. Uh, there were a couple of things that you had introduced in your book uh, in the very beginning and then you answered them all the way in the end. So, uh, so like, did you think about those right in the beginning or, or uh, as you started writing, that's when you thought, okay, we'll put it in the end. How, how do, did you think about it? Well, I mean, if they're quite, they're, they're quite clear connections between some things and those definitely I knew before kind of writing the book. For The House That Spoke specifically, um, I had a lot of, um, I, I knew what the history of the house was even um, before the beginning of the book. I have scenes that I've written out um, of previous guardians and, um, you know, their lives and their debts. And so I, I knew kind of the whole history of what happened in the house. So um, most of the time when something connected to the beginning, that was, um, that was pretty intentional. Um, but also I will say that at times you write something and you're like, oh, that's very good. Maybe I should play into that more. Um, and you kind of expand on that. So um, sometimes you definitely do stumble on things um, kind of as you're writing. But I think for the final book, everything that you're reading and you kind of see is, is most of the time um, quite intentional. Awesome. Great. Um, Anupriya, do you have anything? Yeah. 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 Just um, sorry to keep you longer. No, but I remember watching... Um, one, it was like this short video I saw on your Instagram page, I think a year ago, where you were on stage and uh, you spoke of yourself and you started with saying daughter of Vidhuno Chopra, daughter of like, it was like sort of, um, I think you, you're being sarcastic in a sense, or you were just, um, you're kind of talking about your privilege in some way and how you wanted to build your own identity. Uh, so my question was about two things. One, how do you... Um, do you ever have friends, peers, media, or, or just people around you ever trying to attribute your success to your privilege? And how do you deal with um, the privilege of having parents who've done extremely well for themselves in the writing world, in the movie world? And secondly, how did you decide um, decide your path being a nonfiction uh, fiction writing versus say nonfiction or, or screenplay writing or reviews like how do you know this is this is where I'm gonna make my career versus not the other areas of creativity well um I think that's a great question that's honestly probably the most intelligent question I've been asked in relation to who my parents are so <laughs> kudos to you for that um although 
the bar is quite low, I must say, but still kudos. Um, I, I, I would say that, um, of course, I've had so many people say that, um, you know, that my success is only a result of my privilege and that, you know, I kind of, that it's all just, I mean, you know, of course people have said people, um, media, definitely people on the internet, um, even people who I thought were friends who may not have turned out to be, um, definitely, you know, really kind of hammered in the idea that it's only because of my parents that I am where I am. Um, and I think that it's kind of a fine line because on the one hand, um, I don't believe that what they're saying is true. And I do believe that much of it is born from more an area of, of kind of spite um, than it is from, from true criticism. Um, so I think that it's important for me as somebody who is kind of, um, who is self-confident and who feels that I've really strived um, to know that I shouldn't listen to all of it. Um, but on the other hand, the other hand of that is that I do need to acknowledge that I have had um, an enormous amount of privilege and that, that I have done nothing to deserve. That was simply, um, you know, a lack of the draw at birth. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Pixar movie Soul, but it was just chance where I landed um, on the earth. You know, nobody, um, I, I did nothing to earn that. And I think it's really important that I acknowledge that, that I say that, you know, of course people say that, oh, you know, you're you're very brave to do something that, you know, not that many people do. That's true, but my parents do it. And my parents were able to give me, um, you know, the support, the financial stability, the, um, the connections, like I mentioned, my uncle who recommends editors to me, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't born into the family that I was born into. Um, so I think it's really important not to completely say that, oh, these people are just fight because that's not true either. I have had an enormous amount of privilege and that is something that needs to be um, said at the start of everything. Um, because it, I, I think it would just be unfair to, you, you know, everybody, if I, if I didn't say that, if I said, no, it's all because of me, because that's not true either. Um, but I think the way that I personally look at it is that, um, a lot of times the privilege that I was given at birth has, has gotten me to a door, has led me to an opportunity, but I believe, um, and I know everybody else may not believe, but I can't spend time convincing them. I believe that the door wouldn't have opened for me if I wasn't worthy of walking through it. Um, and I have worked um, very hard um, to achieve many things and to get where I am. Um, so I have to, you know, take pride in, in my own hard work as well. But like I said, um, it's, it's a fine line. Yeah, no, that's a very mature way of looking at it, uh, especially when you said like, okay, there's people who are saying it out of spite to bring you down. And then there's, there's a side to it, which you believe like, it's something you need to own. It's something you need to accept. And, and the, the door part, like, yeah, it, it had, like you have these doors, but then to actually walk through to them, you have to be someone who's committed, who has a work ethic, who has ideas, who has a vision. Um, so, so that's, that's a really, um, nice way to put it. I think we all have some form of privilege or the other relative to someone next to us. And it's just important to acknowledge it, but also not like attribute our whole success or all our failures to it and vice versa. Um, so yeah, thank you for answering that. And also, yeah, how did you decide on uh, this form of creativity versus the others? Is it just a matter of oh. flow? Like when your dad, for example, if he's feeling creative, he's going to be more visual and, and the yeah. characters are going to actually move on stage. There'll be dialogues versus for your mom. It's like, you know, criticism, of criticism, feedback, critique, whatever. So, so how did that happen for you? Well, I think for me, um, that was always a kind of very natural um, path that I seem to follow. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I loved stories. I loved making them up. I loved telling them. And I loved books. 
Um, so I think that was kind of very um, natural. That's another reason why what a lot of people ask is, um, you know, do you feel pressure because of your parents' success? And one of the reasons that I don't is because um, this was such a natural path that I took and nobody pressured me into it. And nobody, um, you know, I never felt any kind of, that this is something I have to do, or this is something I'm doing, you know, like my parents did before. It was never like that. It was something I so naturally veered towards at an age when I was far too young to understand um, legacies. Um, so I, I think that that's one of the reasons why I haven't felt much much pressure. But um, on the other hand, I will say that I haven't really gotten a chance to explore um, film very much. And I hope to do that at, at university, um, to explore it a bit more and to explore kind of film studies. Um, and I do kind of, dabble in journalism as well. Um, I guess um, I do write for HD Branch and I really do enjoy that. Um, and I mean, everyone enjoys being a film critic. You can just be nasty about a film, but I think it requires a bit more education than that, as my mother proves. Um, uh, but I never kind of really veered to nonfiction as much as I veered towards um, fiction. So I think it's a really natural kind of path that I've taken as kind of the person that I am and the artist mm -hmm. that I would like to be. Um, but it could change in the future, who knows? Mm -hmm. Sure. I guess like choosing your, your idea, like medium of expression is a very organic thing. Yeah, like someone trying, it's music yeah. or painting. And it just, and it comes very naturally and it comes, it, it's just something that you kind of, um, I think you're pulled towards, you know, from, from like you just start doing it. You don't label it. You don't think exactly. You just, that's just what you feel like doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's really important for, people to trust that but also to know that that can change um mm -hmm. and that that can evolve and that that's okay as well uh, but yeah like I, I think the creative expression can come in many different forms and you shouldn't really force yourself into just one thing you especially yeah. if you are somebody who wants to be a writer who wants to be um you know a, a painter who wants to be any kind of artist i think mm -hmm. it's important that you explore all forms of expression because they all are tied into each other in one way or another exactly and um Sorry, like just one question leads me to another, but you know how there's always this relationship that people associate of like artists and uh, neuroticism and just having a lot of mental health struggles more so than other people. Because I think um, the amount of imagination that it takes to write a book or to like paint a beautiful picture or just being an artist basically requires you to have like a extra amount of dopamine in your brain, right? Like it's just like, that's how it is. So do, do you ever feel like you too have um, experienced artist burnout or, or the whole, or first of all, do you think there's like a clear relationship between your artism and being an artist and how have you dealt with that, if at all? Well, um, I don't think it would be sort of clear cut that if this is true, then this must be true. Like if X is true, then Y must be true. Um, I guess there could be sort of perhaps, I mean, it's not only something I've given a lot of thought to, but I definitely think that artists um, do struggle with mental health, but I also think that everybody does. Um, it's just artists as people who interact with themselves so often um, and have to give their spirit to every piece of work that they have. And, um, you know, creative expression is something that really forces you to kind of get in touch with yourself and to face those issues head on and not to sort of bury them away as, as many do. Um, but I also think it's kind of like um, a, a PE teacher who I will not, uh, name uh once said something similar to me where he was like you know um if you if you want to be a writer then you're gonna to have to take drugs or drink or something in the future um because you know that's how how else will you get ideas and you know you're going to sort of every writer goes crazy eventually and i was like um 
right, so, you know, if you're an athlete, you, you must take steroids, right? Because, I mean, if you're not doing that, then what's the point of you even being an athlete? And he was like, that's not true. And I was like, well, you um, that's my point exactly, sir. Um, <laughs> that is so relatable. I'm a DJ. I've been DJing like for a long time now. And whenever I'm at a party, not DJing, just chilling, and I'm not smoking, I'm not taking drugs, people are like, wait, you don't take drugs? Like, no, I don't. Wait, but you're a DJ. I said, you know, I'm a musician. Like, I like music, and I've always felt the sense of high with music that I don't need to take drugs for. It's exactly. not, it's not. Exactly. I think the correlation is a lot like, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the series on the Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which I would highly recommend, but it's kind of like that. I mean, she really thought that she needed those pills to kind of, to visualize and to be, you know, who she was. Um, but, you know, I think it's a very inherent talent and a lot of artists do kind of fall into those things, but that doesn't mean that they ever needed to. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. And a lot of people say, for example, like Van Gogh is a really famous case of this. And a lot of people say that, oh, you know, it was only because of his madness that he could create those things, which is absurd, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, madness plays a role in it. But I think the difference between um, having enough madness to create something and, and harming yourself is taking control of, of that madness in a, in a way, you know, kind of accepting that as part of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he had gotten the help that he needed, and maybe if he had lived today and had had access to mental health resources and access to yeah. everything that he needed to be well, who knows mm-hmm. what he could have created? These people certainly don't. Um, so I think that it's, yeah. it's kind of a, a bit of a myth to say that, um, you know, all artists have to be um, sort of handicapped yeah. in one way or another. It's, it, I would say it's less of a myth to say that all artists have to be mad in some one way or another because I have seen a certain kind of madness, but it's more of a, a, a kind of self-owned madness. It's like this is who I am, and, and I'm proud of it, and I'm happy with it, and I'm you know, and I'm I, I live in harmony with it rather than it causing me causing me harm. And I think that if whatever it is you're doing to create is harming you, then it's not worth it because nothing is worth that, not even Starry Night. That was a, a very interesting take for you to not uh, believe that you need to harm yourself to be creative. That's very important. Yeah, I think so. Because anything that harms you will only harm um, the yeah. creativity and the mind that's giving you this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it, it's definitely a balance. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that all artists kind of definitely struggle, like I said, with with their own, with coming to terms with themselves because that's what, creative expression forces you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this Zuni and I got to learn a lot about the process of uh, writing uh, novels and creative writing and it's been a great time. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time as well. They were really intelligent, well-researched questions, um, which is always um, a, a real a real pleasure to have. And I was so I was so happy to be able to, to take part in this. I think it's great what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. I'm so honored that you thought of me. I'm so touched that you guys are, you know, reading my book and have been following me. I mean, that's always crazy to me whenever anybody um, cares about me and what I write. But so really, thank you.